0: Good morning, everybody.
1: Uh, welcome to Church at Home. My name is Gareth Maggs, and this is Chloe, my daughter. And um, we're here to welcome you to Church at Home. Uh, so some of the things that you can look forward to is David Cabetti is going to be teaching on Psalm 42. Theodora Isaacs is going to be doing an interview on the coronavirus, and uh, she's really been working on the front lines of that. Uh, she works in the hospital, so that's going to be a great interview. And lastly, we get to sing to our Lord. We get to praise Him. So why don't I pray for us now, and then we can get started with the service. Father God, I just thank you so much for uh, the fact that we can still meet with you during this time. Uh, So I pray now that your Holy Spirit will be working in us, and that uh, your Holy Spirit will be working within your preacher, and that we may be changed by your word, that we may be inspired to praise you. And I pray that you help us enjoy the service. Amen.
0: Good morning, church at home. We're going to be singing together now, and we start off our service with a children's song that reminds us that God is with us in the good times and the bad times. And I have some helpers to help me do the actions and to sing along, so please will you join us as we sing that song. Straight afterwards, we're going to sing a brand new song that was only recently written called Christ Our Hope in Life and Death.
2: grave, what shall we sing? Christ, He lives, Christ, He lives, and what reward will have
3: Church. My name is Prince and I'm one of the members at Christ Church Midrand. I'll be leading us in a time of prayer today as we will be praying for those in authority and during this time let us please just be thinking about our president. Um, Let us also be thinking about um, the church families at Christ Church Midrand that are affected heavily by the lockdown period. Let us also then be thinking about our children from Nokopila school. Almighty God who rules over the nations of the world. We commend to your merciful care the people of this land, that being guided by your providence, we may dwell secure in your peace. Grant to the State President and all in authority, wisdom and strength to know and to do your will. Fill them with the love of truth, justice and righteousness, that they may serve your people faithfully to your honor and glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And to those in need, almighty, merciful Father, You have told us not to think of ourselves only, but to remember the needs of others. We pray for all in want or need, for the sick in body or mind, for the poor and lonely, for those in distress and despair, and for all who have strayed from your way. Merciful Lord, deliver them, strengthen and restore their faith, bless and help them through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us just continue in prayer. Father God, I would just like to thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given us. We thank you, Lord, for every single thing that you have provided. We know, Lord God, that we only have these things by your grace. Um, Father God, I just want to pray, Lord God, for the body of Christ during this time may it continue to grow. Father, with the various platforms and digital outlets that you have provided us as a church, we pray that we may use them. with wisdom to reach out to the people around us and we pray that we may use it father god to strengthen the people that are at the church we pray lord god that every single person that is able to watch um, the videos online father god that they may get to know you more and that they may have intimacy with you lord god we thank you, Lord God, for the each one, reach one challenge that Royden has put up. Uh, we pray, Lord God, that we may take it up and that we may reach out, Father God, to our family at Christ Church Midrand, as well as to the people around us. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you have provided. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.
4: Good morning, Christ Church Midrand. I hope you are doing well during these times. Uh, welcome to church at home. Uh, and this morning we have an interview with one of our family members at Christchurch Midland, Viola, Um, and I'm just going to be talking to her about uh, her profession and what she's been up to during this um, COVID time. So welcome Viola, how are you?
5: Morning David, morning Christchurch, Um, I am well, thank you.
4: You survived the lockdown, the extended lockdown.
5: (laughs) Yes, I'm enjoying it actually. (laughs)
4: Season two.
5: (laughs) Yes, season two.
4: Um so Fiola, uh, a lot of people know you, they've seen you singing on stage. Um, but can you just tell us uh, on Monday what 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 do you normally do?
5: Um I'm a physiotherapist, uh and employed at a hospital nearby. Um yes, I'm a physio and I'm also do housework. <laughs> I'm a mother, <laughs> yes. I'm a wife. Yeah. So that's my other job. That's the
4: other job that you don't get paid yes. for.
5: Yes. <laughs>
3: Yes. <laughs> um,
4: so you've, um, you've been involved um, with um, the hospital during this uh, pandemic. Just tell us a bit about that, um, h- how you got involved uh, with that, just briefly.
5: So um, for me, I've, I felt there was a need um, to get involved in this, yeah. purely because I'm yeah. a, a respiratory trained physiotherapist. Okay. Um, I've trained in critical care. When I worked in England, yeah, um, and, um, I studied. I studied overseas as well, and I worked in England. And I specialised in critical care. Yeah. and I'm in private practice now. Yeah, um, which I'm enjoying. Yeah, um, but I do miss getting my hands dirty and helping out where I know I can actually help out.
4: Earlier um, on, as we were chatting, you were talking about your practice. You, you guys are not able to get any business uh, during this lockdown. Um and so you decided to
5: Yeah, so um I mean the reality is I'm probably not gonna be paid for the next few months. Yeah. Um We're a small practice, um mm. and we don't have an income right now. Yeah. So and that's because we're based in the hospital so yeah. our patients are not allowed to come in unless it's absolutely necessary so we can only we have to bring our patients and only a certain amount of patients can come in or certain certain type of patient can come into the hospital because we're trying to limit the traffic in and out so um yeah so i offered my services to other practices in the hospital um just in case they needed help and also because i really wanted to help out with covid patients yeah because i know that i can help so yeah, that's where I volunteered, actually volunteered knowing that I might never get paid for it.
4: So <laughs> Yeah. Um so you were talking about I mean just uh like some of the pressures with um working in um in that space at the moment. what, what are some of the, the challenges So not being um able to earn a living? Uh, what are some of the pressures of um your profession at the moment?
5: I am one of the physios that is um, that would be working with the, our positive patients mm. in our unit mm. and on our resp- on our respiratory team. So the challenges there and the pressure there is that um, I I will expose my family to it, mm. and my mom yeah. is in her seventies. Mm. She's asthmatic mm. um, and hazy. You all know hazy. Yeah. He's also asthmatic and he's a prem baby that was quite ill when he was born. So his lungs are quite susceptible to this. However, he's strong, Yeah. <laughs> you know. But that's that's the huge pressure besides finances. Mm. Um, yeah, the rest I see is easy. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so that means <laughs> that if I am working with more positive patients, um, that I would have to not be living in the house.
4: Can you just tell us um, a bit about what was sort of... The things that motivated you um, to see this as a as a, an opportunity to serve.
5: I knew I could help out. I kn- I know I can help out, and um, this my profession is my my career yeah. and my passion has been given to me by God. Yeah. It's my calling. Mm. It's what calling. I'm meant to do. And if I can help out in another way, mm. um, then why not? You know, um, I I know that God can use me here. Um, and it's not just to treat patients, it's to reach out, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, it's just, it's something that's been heavy on my heart ever since this hit South Africa. Well, actually ever since it hit the world, you know?
4: You were earlier on talking about, um, like just the, the situations around the hospitals at the moment, um, how nurses are getting involved in serving. Um, just tell us a bit about, um, maybe some of the things we could be praying for for them uh, and thanking god for or asking god for
5: so i think we must never forget how privileged we actually are mm. you know um we're mm. safe in our homes we're with our families and our loved ones and it's not just people that are covid positive mm. that are affected mm. by by the coronavirus right now there are lots of people in hospitals still mm. um that are all alone. Mm. And it's they're all alone because they, they can't have their families with them. Their families are not allowed to come in. Mm. They're not allowed to get the stuff that we'd normally take in, you know, like your 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 willies, goodies, and flowers, and balloons, yeah. and moms yeah. are having babies on their own. Sure, sure. Old people are there on their own. Mm. Um, terminally ill people are dying on their own. Mm. And that's what I saw last week in the hospital, and that just... It saddened me so much. Um, the upside of it is, you see the Florence Nightingales in the hospital now. Mm. And it's something I haven't seen in a very long time. Mm. I see how loving and calm and devoted and dedicated those nurses that have have opted to stay behind. Yeah. Um, ah. They are just reaching out to patients and making life so much easier for them. And they are the angels at the moment. It's not just the nurses that are nursing the COVID patients; yeah. it's the other nurses that are lifting people mm. up. You know, every hospital has upped their game in my in my eyes. Like the the, the cleaners are there all the time yeah. cleaning. Everything is spotless yeah. in the hospital yeah. after a very long time. There's a lot of good that's come out of this as well. Yeah. Um so pray for them as well, the security guards. Yeah, I mean
2: yeah, yeah. they are
5: frontline as well in the hospital. They are there giving you your ticket or you know opening up the boom gates for you, yeah. allowing you in and they are there, you know, wearing their masks. It's their job.
4: Yeah, we thank God for them, we thank God for you and all that you are doing right now. So let's pray for, for those guys and pray for you um and pray for our country. Yeah, let's bow our heads um, Father, thank you so much for um, the different people that you've called um, to do uh, different work, and especially our essential services right now. We pray for them that you'd keep them safe, um, that you'd encourage them to serve, um, and that you'd use the Christians um, in different places uh, to be of service um, to taking care of the, those who are hurting and those who are lonely. Uh, so we do pray, Father. Uh, that even in this time, uh, your kingdom would grow and people would turn to you um, because there is no other hope and help. We pray for Theola, that you strengthen her and that you keep her safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, everybody.
6: Three exciting developments to share with you from uh, the life of our church in this past week. Uh, You would have heard from Martin in in his last video. Uh, about our initiative, our response to the poor and the vulnerable as a church. I just wanted to share with you what's happened since then. Um, A lot of this uh, began a lot earlier, uh, but really our coordinated response has started to take shape in the last two weeks. So since Martin's uh, appeal to you last week, what has happened? Well, we 've raised over one hundred and twenty thousand rand uh, for food and for mosques and it's just incredible and you need to know about that uh, and most of that money has come through the church family we've had uh, we've also had some wonderful corporate donations one corporate donated fifty thousand rand another corporate has committed to providing uh, for two hundred and seventy food parcels that will go to uh, vulnerable families in our Nocopila network. Another company has uh, committed to giving us all the fabric we need for our masks, the masks that we are manufacturing at cost. So we've had a wonderful corporate response. Those corporate responses have come through the church family and we've had a wonderful response from the church family itself. The thing I really want to highlight um, over and above the material response is the family response. Uh, the nature of, of how we as a redeemed family have come together over this thing. And I'm going to name names. Um, so I'm going to ask those people to forgive me in advance. Uh, I'm going to name names. I, I'm, I'm not trying to rob you of your treasure in heaven. I'm not trying to rob you of your anonymity. I know all of you would prefer to remain anonymous. Um, you're not looking for accolades. I'm going to name names because I want to give flesh and blood to this. I want us all to understand that these are just ordinary christians cooperating coming together to respond creatively to this crisis and to serve the poor so it's the redeemed family in action so let me talk about what's happened if i leave off your name i'll also issue an apology in advance i know that there's some people who have been involved that i'm not going to name again the point is not so much to uh, highlight certain individuals the point is to name some names in order to highlight the collective response and just how ordinary disciples have responded. So here we go. Jennifer Collett and Isabel McDougall, they've been working closely together to source and cut fabric for over 700 masks. Now, most of us can't imagine, even imagine what that's like, cutting 700 masks. Uh, perhaps only our kids' workers are uh, positioned to have some sort of sense of what it's like. They cut uh, every week for crafts, but 700 masks. They've cut the fabric, they've sourced the fabric. They are cooperating with a a, a small cooperative of ladies who, who then sew the masks together. Uh, those ladies, um, we are paying those ladies a, 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 a very competitive rate to do that. So so we're keeping them in in a job at a time when employment is so precious and scarce. Those ladies, uh, as far as I understand it, are Tempisa. Placed, they are located within the community, and so um, that's very exciting that partnership. Yvette Langston has offered to supply us with fabric for the masks. Dikileri Diki Mashejo, um, most of us, she's well known to most of us. Uh, we love her. She's part of the church family. Um, she is our eyes and ears and feet on the ground in Timbisa, and she has partnered with the Department of Social Development to get a list of extremely vulnerable households, households that are, uh, are hungry right now, as I speak to you. Uh, and so we have a list of uh, over 100 households that we are gonna use this money to, to reach with food. Uh, food parcels, food vouchers, potentially, we're speaking to uh, a local checkers in that regard. James Pitt, Kathy Combrink, both of them have provided us with invaluable intelligence from their knowledge of uh, conditions in and the community in Tempisa. Renee McConaughey has offered uh, to she has a, a, an essential services uh, driving permit. She's offered to to drive if if and when uh, we need her to uh, make deliveries and so on. One of our, our our church members, longstanding church members, who actually now lives in Canada has been following developments on Church at Home, and she has offered financial support. That's Adeshni Naidu. Uh, Many of you will know her. Sarah Cans is coordinating this whole collaborative family effort. And I wanted just to rattle off those names and those initiatives um, to make this point that we can be full of praise and thanksgiving to God for our redeemed family. Uh, A a response with so many people involved and so many others I haven't mentioned, involved in different ways in whatever capacity, Um, a response where we can now be supporting 100 vulnerable households, um, 350 children through our Nakopila network, or those who are relying on food and their households. It is it is it is time to stop and pause and praise God for what He's doing in and through us. In Sarah's words, there is no end to the masks or the food that we could provide at this point. It's a bottomless well of need, from her assessment of the lay of the land. And so, uh, please keep it coming. Let's turn what is a remarkable start. This is just one week of work. What I've just described to you is the fruit of of uh, one week. One week's coordinated effort and so imagine what God can do uh, so let's let's get involved uh, the the details are going to be uh, attached to this video uh, the snap scan will be uh, available to you this money is they're no overhead so we're not paying salaries with this money this money is going straight into food or into mosques and that's our commitment to you uh, so Get involved and let's turn what is a remarkable beginning into into an absolute groundswell, into a movement of love and mercy and support for the vulnerable and the poor at this time. Let's keep living out our identity as a redeemed family. Second exciting thing I wanted to highlight for you was just to let you know that our Care and Crisis Centre continues to to gain traction, to gain momentum. The work is is forging ahead there. Kathy Kornbrink, who's heading that up for us, has done a great deal of behind-the-scenes work, and uh, you would have seen in the last couple of newsletters, and you'll be able to see on Facebook right now that uh, we are sending out a survey. That survey closes on the seventh of May. And what we are asking you to do between now and the seventh of May is send it around to anybody you know who lives in Midrand or its immediate surrounds. What we what we are trying to do is to make a careful uh, scientific assessment of the pastoral counseling needs in our immediate community. We have a hunch, we have an inclination, uh, we have an intuition, but we want to be a little bit more deliberate than that. So please, will you send out that newsletter, I mean that survey, sorry, send out that survey to anyone you know in the mid-rand area so that we can have an accurate assessment of what the needs are in our community because those needs require specialized skills to respond responsibly. Um, we can't just be generic counsellors. The, the traumas are deep and it's complicated. And so we need specialised skills. We need specialised training for our counsellors. And so we need to understand the need. So please, will you be part of making the Care and Crisis Centre happen and make it, uh, making it into something that serves our community because we are a redeemed family of servants on a mission. Last exciting thing I want to bring to your attention is under the banner of the each one reach one campaign and and I cannot say the feedback has been overwhelming people are really reaching out to each other and connecting And in that spirit we want to push something new which is we're calling it opt-in opt-in is uh, for anyone who who um, is perhaps feeling a little bit isolated a little bit disconnected at this time and perhaps because of where they are in their journey uh, are not yet ready to 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 join a life group now you would have heard Martin say last week, "We said every chance we get, join a life group, folks. There is no substitute. Join a life group. You must join a life group." But 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 we understand people are in different places in their journey, and back. maybe you're not ready. But we think there's an intermediate step. We think that uh, you could simply join the WhatsApp group of a, of your local life group, so you could opt into that, right? So so you contact your life the, the life group leader. Uh, of the of the life group that is uh, closest to you you contact that leader they will put you on the on the whatsapp group that whatsapp group is not a formal commitment to be part of anything it is really just connecting you to other christians you're going to get information about their life group meeting you're going to get encouraging verses you're going to get prayer requests you can put up your own prayer requests Uh, you you're gonna you're gonna see the banter uh, that goes on in life groups you're just going to be connected to another group of christians So there's nothing formal, there's nothing intimidating. Uh, It really is just a way of staying connected to other Christians at a time when um, we are perhaps uh, isolated and disconnected. So opt-in. All you do is you go on to our website. You'll be able to see the, uh, you click on life groups. You'll be able to see the various life groups, their geography. You pick the one closest to you. And you get hold of that leader, and that leader will add you to their WhatsApp group. It's as simple as that. You'll be connected to a group of Christians who can pray for you, who can encourage you, and who can keep you walking on the road of discipleship.
2: That's it for this week. Those three encouragements. And uh, let's keep
6: walking on. Let's keep walking as disciples of Jesus. Let's keep living out our identity as a redeemed family of servants on mission. Have a good week, everybody.
1: Let me just quickly remind you again of um, your giving to God's work here at Christ Church Midrand. Um You know the various methods we have, and they on the website, the EFT, the Snapchat. Um, the reason we give to God's work is to thank God for His good goodness to us, His grace towards us. And we give to thank him and for that same gospel that changed our lives to be able to change other people's lives. Even though we are in lockdown, our fixed costs for the church continue as before. Our staffing costs continue as before. That's probably over 90% of uh, our expenditure. So uh, we really, really do value your, your generous giving, your faithful giving, your committed Regular monthly giving to God's work. So, thank you for thank you for all of those who have been giving for many, many years. And um, may I just ask you that we continue doing that, so that the work of God can continue to grow, both at Christchurch, Midrand, and beyond. God bless you.
0: Hi, everyone. Today's Bible reading is taken from Psalm chapter forty-two to forty-three, and it reads as follows. a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries haunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre. O oh God, my God, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is the word of the Lord.
4: Well, good morning, Christchurch Midland, and what a joy it is to join you for Church at Home. Uh, it's ex- such a privilege for me to be opening God's Word uh, this morning. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is David, and I'm one of the ministers at Christchurch Midland. Uh, and today I'm continuing with a series that Eddie uh, started off last week, a series in the book of Psalms, which is titled Songs from the Heart. Uh, and our psalm this morning is really um, a psalm about finding hope uh, in times of uh, despair. So I do hope that you will join us uh, for that. I do hope that you have your Bibles there uh, with you on your smartphone, uh, that you keep them open to Psalm uh, 42 as we engage with God's Word. Uh, but before we do that, let me pray for us. Let me pray for God's help uh, as we look at his, his Word. So why don't you, wherever you are, uh, I'm joining you from my son's room. Wherever you may be, on your couch, uh, uh, bow your heads and let's pray uh, together. Father, thank you for this opportunity um, to get into your word. Um, pray that you would help us, that you stir up our hearts um, to, um, to love Jesus. Uh, I pray that we would find hope uh, from this psalm, uh, that you would speak to us. And I pray for someone who's not a believer that they would encounter uh, your King, Jesus, uh, through this uh, this message. This we pray in his name and for our good. Amen. Amen. So if you are a follower of Jesus, or if you follow Jesus for any uh, amount of time, uh, the reality is that you're going to get to a stage and a point in your life where it feels like God is far from you. Uh, sometimes this is because of sin in our own lives, uh we as we walk along this path of uh of the faith you stumble uh, uh, along the way um you sin and in those in that moment um, there's this voice of guilt that speaks to you and it says to you uh, that god is not going to forgive you uh, god is going to uh, turn his back against you i don't know if you've ever felt uh like that uh, in your walk with jesus Sometimes it's because things don't go our way, right? Um, We walk uh, as Christians and we encounter difficulties um, along the way and it feels like God is distancing himself uh, uh, and he's uh, on lockdown. He's socially uh, distancing uh, himself. When that happens, when you go through pain and suffering, it feels like uh, evil is winning and God is not really uh, there. I don't know if you've ever felt that way in your work with Jesus. Uh, for me, I still remember it was around the age of 16 uh, or 17, somewhere along uh, uh, that, that time I was in, uh, in high school and I had been a Christian for about three years. And here's the thing, nobody ever tells you uh, that there will come a time in your Christian walk where the initial phase, phase of being excited about Jesus uh, dies down. Uh, So it dies down and the old sinful habits come back. uh, You stumble back in your old ways. And in those moments, it feels like God is socially distancing himself. It feels like he is far from you. And going to church feels like a chore. Going to church uh, feels like you're going to be exposed. Because here are these Christians who are having such a good time. In fact, I remember in my old church, um, we used to have the service leader shouting, God is good. And we would shout back uh, all the time and, uh, and he would shout all the time and we would shout back, God is good. Uh, and I think in those moments I felt fake. I felt like I didn't mean what I was saying because how what I was feeling and experiencing was contrary um, to what we were shouting. And it felt like uh, church was not a place I wanted we, uh, to be now, if we were to be honest uh, this morning, uh, the Christian life is not a, a, a smooth sail. In fact, life in of itself is not a, a smooth sail. And sometimes sin and our sin appears to be greater than the grace of God uh, in our life. Sometimes uh, God feels like um, uh, he's not there because life is not going um, according to, to plan. It feels like he's absent And it feels like sin, sin and evil is ruling and winning. Uh, And maybe you're not a Christian uh, this morning. You're joining us. Uh, We we love having you um, join us. And maybe you're searching for answers during this time. uh, And it feels like God um, is not there and his evil uh, is winning. You say to yourself, man, I want to believe in God. But it doesn't look like uh, he is Um, he is there. Maybe there is no God. Maybe life is just a series of unfortunate events. Uh, Well, uh, can I just say to you that I I don't have the answers. And this psalm psalm doesn't have the answers either. In fact, there are more questions in this psalm than there are answers. But these questions, we need to know that they don't uh, originate with us. In fact, long before Uh, Long, long before you and I uh, could exist, people had been asking and grappling with this question. And our son does that uh, for us um, today. In a land far, far away, in a time far from from us, uh, a group of songwriters got to work and they put together these questions into a song in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, addressed to the choir master, a masterpiece of Israel's greatest music band, the Sons of Korah. Some say that the person who is depicted in this psalm is a David-like figure, uh, and we're not sure uh, who it is in particular. What situation that we're going through, uh, but what we do know is that he had lost all connection to God. And he felt like God is far. He had lost all connection to God's people, uh, and life felt like it felt like his life. He hadn't. He had lost control um, over it. But whoever he is, um, he's going to remind us, and this is the point of our sermon today: that when God feels fine, evil seems to be thriving and winning. We need to look back at what God has done uh, and how faithful He has been. Let me say that again, because I believe that that's so powerful, and that's what God wants us to hear this morning: that when God feels Five, evil seems to be winning. We need to look back uh, and see how faithful he has been. Uh, so with that said, we're going to dive into this psalm so that i show you where I got that uh, that point. Uh, but before I do that, let me give you a quick structure of uh, what we, where we are in the psalms. Uh, so the psalms are broken into five different books. Uh, We have book one and Eddie took us through um, Psalm one and two. Those are the introduction to the whole uh, book of Psalms and the introduction to the book, uh, the first book of Psalms. Uh, So the first book is from chapter one to chapter 41. So we find ourselves in the opening chapters of book two. Uh, These are the opening chapters and these two Psalms have 15 verses Uh, Each of uh, them are, they rather divided into three parts. So we have verses 1 to 3, that's the first part. Um, Verses 6 to 10, that's the second part. And then uh, chapter 43 verses 1 to 5 uh, is the third part. So that's five verses each. Uh, And each part, here's how we divide it. Here's how we know where each part ends. Um, Each part ends with this words. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, uh, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Uh, so, if you um can read it during this week, you'll see that verse 5, verse 10, and chapter 43, verse 5, all end uh, with this phrase Why are you cast down, O my soul? Uh So that's Uh, The structure of the psalm without any waste of time. Let's get into uh, the first verse. These are familiar words to some of us. Uh, We may have heard this, the hymn as a deer pens for water. Verse one says, as a deer pens for flowing streams, so pens my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food. Day and night, while they say to me all the day long, "Where is your God? Where is your God?" Now, one of the things that the Psalms do and Hebrew poetry does is that it paints. It uses language to paint pictures uh, for us, and often uh, we see what is called parallelism, where the two pictures are hung side by side, and those are meant to convey a meaning to us and a, an emotion to us uh, that we should uh, see, um, uh, dwell in, uh, in, that, in, in that psalm. So uh, we see two pictures here uh, in these three verses, two pictures put side by side. On the one side we see a picture of a dying, thirsty animal, a deer that is panting and longing uh, for water. Picture this deer limping through, um, uh, dragging itself through the heat of the Middle East uh, in a desert. If if you've been to the Kruger or better yet to the Pilanesberg National Park in the northwest, that's the best one, by the way. Um, If you've been there uh, before, or if you know anything about animals, you'd know that they don't wait till they are extremely thirsty to go looking for water. That's not what animals do. Uh, They often go there um, uh, at at a certain time of the day, perhaps uh, around the afternoon to go drink water. So for a dear to pant for water, it means it must have been in an area that was uh, stricken by a drought uh, or it couldn't find water when it needed. So it's panting and thirsting for water. uh, And that's the picture uh, we see. It is dying of thirst. Uh, And longing uh, for water. The second picture that we see there is of a a man who is in a desperate uh, place. A man who is weeping and uh, who is hungry and and thirsty. And the only nourishment that he has is his tears. The tears that are flowing from uh, his eyes all day and all night. Every minute of uh, the uh, the 24 hours that we have. uh, He's weeping. And that's all he has. Uh, to nourish himself. This must have been a painful experience uh, for this man. And what is worse is that people around him are saying to him, where is God uh, in in this time? He doesn't seem um, to be there. Uh, So that's the picture that we see in verses 1 to 3, a picture of somebody who is far from God. And being far from God feels like you are in a dry place. And the only thing that is wet uh, around you is your face that is drenched with tears. What a sad picture to imagine. Uh, And perhaps some of us are going through that experience right now. Perhaps you're going through an experience where you cannot sleep because of the tears um, in your eyes. But it gets worse. Um, In verse 4 he remembers a time when he was among God's people and it looks like he was some kind of a director of music who was leading songs of praise. Um, he was leading God's people, uh, perhaps during a, a Jewish festival, and they were rejoicing at the fact that God is good, and they were in the promised land, enjoying the blessings of being in the promised land. Uh, so that's uh, what he's feeling, is remembering that time. And perhaps you and I can actually uh, empathize with him uh, at this time. Uh, we know all too well, what it feels like to be away from God's people. Uh, I mean, do you remember a time where uh, we used to meet together at church and the buzz of people moving around uh, and coming to praise God together, singing songs uh, together? I wonder if you remember uh, Remember that. Uh, the free coffee afterwards uh, in the veranda and the uh, encouraging conversations after church. Uh, maybe some of you, well, uh, I know I miss those um, conversations uh, after church, and maybe for youth, being in a live group where uh, you are in this deep, uh, intimate community, um, and right now we are unable to do that, uh, and so I think we can sympathise with the uh, the psalmist as he um, as he goes through um, this uh, moment of pain of remembering um, a time where he was together uh, with God's people, and uh, now as much as we understand it, can I just say that uh, for us uh, it is not with the same uh, intensities. You see, for the Israelites, uh, the presence of God uh, uh, was associated with um, a physical place. Uh, So the temple in Jerusalem was the place where God ruled uh, and God uh, chose to make His presence uh, dwell. So if you wanted to be close to God, you would go to um, Jerusalem. That's where Uh, he was and that's where from there he would protect uh, his people. In verse 6 you can see that this man in the psalm remembers uh, Jerusalem and the temple from a foreign land Uh, as he's in exile, uh, far from God's people, uh, far from God. Uh, So to be stripped away of all of that, to be stripped away from Jerusalem meant that you are in a place where God is uh, not in control. Uh, You are far from him uh, and from uh, his people. Now, uh, can I just uh, take a side road um, um, at this point? Um, By the way, just to say, by the way, there are some Christians today who feel like and who say that we need to go back to Israel. Or maybe they've been on a trip there and they felt like they were close to God when they were in uh, Jerusalem. Now, there's nothing wrong with touring uh, the, the, uh, the promised land. Uh, there's nothing wrong with seeing some of the biblical sites and seeing that the Bible is actually based on real, actual places uh, that exist. Um, but you and I, if we had this hope that if we go to a physical place called Israel, that we would find God there. Forget it. He's not there he's in Rustenbeck. <laughs> I'm joking. He's, um, as Christians, we believe that God is not confined to a physical place, uh, that Jesus made access to God possible from wherever you are. So you could feel not closer to God in Jerusalem than you would in a place like Rustenbeck. Um, but for God's people, for the Old Testament believers, being away from the promised land and being conquered by your enemies was a sign that evil was winning and that God somehow had lost uh, control. So the psalmist is away from God and away from his people, but he also felt like he was not in control of his life. Have a look at verse 7. It says, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. See, that's another picture that we see presented to us by this masterpiece of a poem. Verse 1 to 3 gives us a picture of a dry place, of uh, this person who's longing for God. It's a picture of drought, but verse 7 is quite the opposite. It depicts for us rather a wet place, a, a place that is drenched. With water. In fact, waters that are so uncontrollable that they threaten to take this man's life away. So he's no longer drowning, but he, or rather, no longer in drought, but he is drowning. And as he tries to pick up his head, uh, the waves come knocking him uh, again and again. He's gasping for air, he's trying to breathe, but the waves um, are overcoming him. He is drowning. And I know a lot of us who are watching this video um, are competent swimmers, so maybe we don't know what the feeling of drowning uh, feels like. And I can tell you many stories of being on holiday uh, in Devon and friends of ours uh, were swimming and tried to, uh, to swim and they drowned, they, were t- they almost drowned, um, but I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm going to tell you my own story, um, just to give you a bit of a background. Um, I grew up obviously in the dusty streets of Rustenburg, and I, I still remember. For us as young kids, we would go into the dam when it was raining to go to go swim. So um, it was not a good place to learn swimming. It was a dirty dam; uh, the water was shallow. Um, so my skills, to, uh, my swimming skills, are about a four out of ten, uh, which is really bad. Um, um, so my philosophy when it comes to swimming is that if you can stand your ground, that's good. You need to have fun and go swim. Uh, that is what swimming is. you in control. But if the waters are over your head, now that's not swimming. Uh, that is applying for um, a death wish. That is applying for death. Uh, so this particular time we went to the beach, um, it was in Amam Zintoti. Uh, one of the beaches there has um, a, a sand bank. Uh, but in order for you to get to the sandbank you need to pass through this deep area that's about four meters uh, long uh, so you pass through that easy four meters is not that long well that's what i i thought i did it once or twice and the third time as i was doing it um then this is what they don't tell you uh, that the waves and the oceans is unpredictable sometimes the current can uh, drag you away or sometimes um, the waves can hit you. So the waves came and they were quite powerful and they overpowered me as I was in the uh, deep end and I lost control. It felt like somebody has slapped me in the face. And just as you're about to raise your head, another wave comes and slaps you, uh, in the face. I fought that water and it pushed me, um, to shore. Needless to say that I've never been back to swim, uh, at that, at that beach. Uh, when waters overpower you, I don't know if you've ever uh, been in a situation like me, but when waters are overpower you, you feel like you are not in control. You can't stand on your feet. And as you try to gasp uh, for air, the waves overcome you. And that's the picture that we see here in verse uh, 7. And that uh, sometimes is the reality that we experience, isn't it? Sometimes life feels that way. Uh, It feels like the waves and the water um, is overcome you, that you cannot breathe. um, And uh, uh, as you try to breathe, another wave of trouble slaps you right in your face. And and can I just ask you um, this question, that in those moments, where, where, where do you tend to? Where do you turn to when your career doesn't seem to rescue you uh, out of that situation? Where do you tend to when the color of your bank card doesn't seem to uh, help you at that time? Or the title that you have at work doesn't seem to come through for you in that moment? Uh, well, uh, the psalmist turns to God. Have a look at verse 8. Uh, in verse 8, he remembers the covenant love of God. And he wonders to himself, has God forgotten me? Has God forgotten me? And I just, uh, uh, by the way, comment, you'll notice that in verse 8, the psalmist uses the word, the Lord, uh, to refer to God. Uh, in fact, in book 2, most of the psalms use the generic name for God, the Hebrew name Elohim, which means God. Um, but it doesn't use the word Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. But in verse 8, this psalmist remembers Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, and he cries out to him that, God, remember your covenant. Have you forgotten me? Listen to his cry for help as it continues uh, in chapter 43. Verse 1, vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause. Against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust men, deliver me. He's crying out for help. Verse 2, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He continues to pray and uh, to pray uh, to God. Verse 3, send out your light of, and your truth. Let them lead me let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. And we look at verse 4 of chapter 43. Then I will go to the altar of God and to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God my God. And that repeated refrain again why are you cast down O my soul and why are you in turmoil within me hope in God for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. Now, here's the thing about this psalm, um, is that it comes to us um, in a time of distress uh, and in a time of uncertainty and despair, uh, at a time where we don't have the answers and God feels like he's fine, that evil um, is winning. Uh, But the one thing we need to remember is that this psalm is not primarily about us. Um, That yes, it's written for us, but it wasn't written um, to us. It's not as if in the psalm you can find uh, 10 steps to coping with depression and, and suffering. Uh, it's not a courage to face, covet kind of psalm. Uh, it was never meant for that. Um, this psalm is primarily about the nature of God. Uh, it is about God and the king of God's kingdom. It's about a king who uh, faces evil and wonders if God is there. Uh, a king who's uprooted from his land and is far away from God uh, and his people. And in that moment, he cries out uh, to God. A king who cries out in despair um, to God. Book 2 opens with this uh, desire of this king to go back to Jerusalem, uh, to the city of God. It's a cry for help. So it opens with this desire to go uh, back to Israel uh, to Jerusalem, but book two ends off with Psalm 72, with God promising that despite evil, he's going to come and uh, rule once again. Despite evil, they will restore Israel to be a prosperous nation. And you can imagine the Israelites, as they compiled the Psalms um, and how they used to chant uh, this prayer and sing it uh, in hope that God will fulfill those promises. That God would fulfill those promises. So this psalm is a prayer uh, of the Israelites. And as Jesus steps into the scene, we see that time and time again, he uses the psalms as prayers, and he uses and applies it to uh, to himself. So you'd remember that as his enemies ganged up against him, uh, the rulers um, of the Gentiles, uh, Herod and uh, and um, and punches Pilate and the the scribes and the Pharisees when they ganged up against him and made him on the cross, he used Psalm twenty two to pray, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Because in that moment, uh, the full wrath of God uh, was uh, on him. He truly felt forsaken. He truly felt that God was far. He was alone and God fell far from uh, from him. So he uses the words of this uh, this psalm. Uh, this psalm is not about you, but it is about a God we can tend to uh, in difficult times. It is about a God who keeps his promises to the nations of Israel. How do we see him keeping those promises? Well, we see them in the life Uh, of Jesus Christ. And that's what we remembered uh, two weeks ago as we celebrated Easter, God who fulfills his promises, who vindicates uh, his king, uh, who answers his cry for help, that as they crucified him on that cross, it felt like evil was winning. Uh, But three days later, we are told in the New Testament that Jesus came back to life, that God vindicated him and fulfilled his promises that David's son will rule forever on his throne. And Jesus uh, is that King. Jesus is the son who prays this prayer uh, for himself. Uh, This psalm reminds us uh, that because of what Jesus God did for us in Jesus, um, as he carried our sin on the cross uh, for us, as he rose again uh, to life. We are reminded that evil is not winning. Evil and pain will not have the last say in your life. If you are a believer, that is the promise uh, for you. And let me say that again uh, this psalm reminds us that evil, sin and evil and pain will not have the last word uh, in your life. That is the promise uh, that we see uh, in the psalm. What a great promise that is. That promise of the gospel message. Now those who know me know that I love singing to hymns. Um, and the reason is because they filled with this message of the gospel and they uh, they address, they bring across this message in a language that is close to my heart. And I'm going to quote you one of those hymns. Um, uh, and it goes like this. I'm going to quote it and then translate it. Um, it says, Habushoku <laughs> sheba se sa Simply translated, and perhaps you are a so-to-speaker, uh, um, I'll urge you and encourage you to go listen to that hymn. Uh, but simply translated uh, for the rest of us, um, that is Psalm, that hymn rather simply says um, that when troubles come your way and when they threaten to break you apart. Look to Jesus. Um, look to that cross in Golgotha because there is the fountain of comfort uh, and a fountain of healing. Because it is that, that cross where Jesus, uh, God destroyed sin and evil. But not only that, uh, God came through on his promises and raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, because of his res- resurrection, he's king and His Lord. And he continues to rule over our life. And guess what kind of king he is? He's not a king who doesn't understand our pain. No, he understands our suffering and our pain. He understands what it feels like to be far from God because he himself went through that. Isn't that a king that you would want to submit your life to? A king who conquers sin and evil. A king who experienced pain and suffering. And as John Scott says Our suffering makes sense and are more manageable in light of His. That we could look to Him and find comfort. And that's the thing that we learn from this psalm, that when God feels far off and evil seems to be winning, well, we need to look back at what Jesus did, what God did through Jesus, um, and how faithful He has been to fulfilling His promises. uh, And that we need to trust God. In our moments of despair and in moments of pain, and here's a question that I want to leave with you uh, this morning is that this is the question: Do you see how faithful God has been in your life? Uh, do you see how faithful God has been in the life of Jesus, in his death on our behalf for your sin, for my sin, and in his resurrection from the grave? Do you see how, as as it looks like evil is winning, that God is truly in charge? And I wonder this morning if that's the God that you trust. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much that you are trustworthy. That we can turn to you in moments of pain and distress. Thank you for all that you've done in your Son Jesus. I pray that. We would lean on that, that we would remember that it's all about him and that we would submit to him as king and as Lord. I pray for someone who's not a believer watching this morning that they would come to a knowledge of this king. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us uh, this week. Uh, Next week, Martin is going to be bringing God's way to us. So hopefully uh, you will join us for that.